Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus. Through this series, we speak to higher education thought leaders about the trends, ideas, and opportunities that are shaping the future of this industry and pick their brains for best practices and advice that leaders can apply to their own institutions. On today's episode, Evolution Editor-in-Chief and Illumination host Amrit Elawalia chats with Don Tracy, the Director of Corporate and Community Education at Austin Community College. Recorded live on location at the NSET Conference in Austin, Texas, Don and Amrit talk about the prison education system in the United States and growing opportunities for students in community colleges. Uh, we're in Austin, which is Don's hometown, or, or at least, I guess, your temporary, your current residence. Um, and you're greeting us with some level of hospitality. It's uh, some level. Yeah, it's tw- 28 <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit. That's minus two Celsius. It's yeah. uh, freezing rain and sleet. So for those of you who, you know, might have been coming down to Texas in January for. <laughs> Welcome to Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> so, Don, um, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm always curious about in, mm. in our particular space mm. is how folks found their way into it. Because, you know, continuing ed is, is one of those really unique places where everyone comes at it from a totally different angle and mm-hmm. to some uh, to some extent it winds up shaping your own your perspective on on how you want to do the work and how you want to position your division so mm-hmm. i'm gonna you know take a step back and let you kind of tell your story i mean how did you wind up in continuing in workforce ed so this is probably not unusual but i took a very circuitous path to education and continuing education um I started off in life uh, intending to be a medical doctor. And my intent was to come alongside people and to help them in various ways, right? And so actually I was a pre-med major in college, uh, my first two years in college. And I had a bit of an epiphany. Uh, I went to Texas A&M in College Station, Texas. And I had a bit of an epiphany uh, during my sophomore year that um, maybe medicine wasn't the right path for me, but I still wanted to try to help. And so I switched majors. That's not unusual. <laughs> All people switch three times, five times or more, whatever. Um, but I switched majors and became a political science and Russian major. My intent was uh, take this desire to help mm-hmm. into the public policy arena. And so I spent the first part of my professional career, actually doing internationally related things, international things. Uh, I ended up when I finished it at A&M in 1992 with a political science and Russian degree. I went to uh, then Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. to pursue a master's degree in Russian studies. And so um, during that period of time when at A&M and then at Georgetown, I went on a couple of study abroad programs to Russia and, and really became fascinated with the country and uh, ended up, once I completed my degree at Georgetown, I ended up actually working in, in Russia for a little bit. And then I decided to come home Had another one of those epiphanies and it was, it, I had to pivot. And so I came back home in the spring of 1996. I'd been there at that point nearly a year after finishing at Georgetown. And I came back home and tried to figure out what I was going to do. I I continued to want to try to come alongside of folks and help, but wasn't quite sure what that was going to look like. And I think one of the, the, the great lessons that I've learned in my life is, is that you never know how important a conversation 
or a relationship might be to you down the road. There may not, you may not see any connections to the future in those conversations, but each one of them is valuable. It's an important nugget mm-hmm. uh, along your life journey. And when I was a senior in high school, um, I was on the student council and, mm-hmm. you know, was on the yearbook committee and all of this stuff. Well, we had a brand new first year teacher, journalism teacher, who was in charge of the, the yearbook group. And I, uh, of course, met her then. Well, when I came back home at that point, uh, 10 years later, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> she had gone to work for uh, the Wyndham School District. So she left as a journalism instructor, instructor from the high school and went to work for the Wyndham School District, which is the statewide prison education system in Texas. And she's, she was serving as a public information officer there. Mm-hmm. And I ran into her at a, at a, at an event and she asked me what I was going to do. Cause I'm running around everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, well, I'm, I'm not sure. And she says, well, my brother-in-law in Austin, Texas happens to be the manager of a manpower staffing office. Hmm. Let me connect you to my brother-in-law, Marvin. And so she connected me to her brother-in-law, Marvin, who immediately hired me into manpower to start managing um, staffing programs for different clients. And I started working um, with individuals who come into the staffing office and, you know, clearly wanted to, to work. And there was just some, you know, some degree of desperation in their eyes. I need to go to work. I need to go to work. And I started helping them to get connected with our client companies. And there was one young lady in particular who had a, a, a really significant impact on my thinking about this staffing industry work. Her name was Elizabeth. Elizabeth came in and her mother was with her um, and she was very upset, very distraught. She came in and she says, well, I have the little one mm-hmm. and my husband's just left. I have to go to work. What do you have? And she didn't have a lot of skills. I mean, she had some administrative skills, but didn't have a lot. The only thing that I had at the time that I could place her into uh, was a, was a frontline operator job at a small um, semiconductor manufacturing facility. Okay. It was a final test area um, for a semiconductor company. And so I placed her in that job, $7 an hour, $7.25 an hour, 12-hour shift, working as an operator on final test machines in this facility. Um, this was in the early fall of 1998. Um, <clears throat> Christmas of 1998, I received a little card in the mail. And Elizabeth sent me a Christmas card. And in that little card, she says, I know you were just doing your job, but you gave me a chance. Mm -hmm. God bless you. I still have that card. Mm -hmm. She went from being a frontline operator and very quickly um, she had proven herself. They converted her to a regular full-time position. And then they, and then they moved her into an executive administrative position for the vice president of the company. So she went from $7 an hour to 30 something thousand dollars a year in a matter of a few months. And it completely changed her life. It changed mine too. At that point, 
um, I knew that I really wanted to, to, to dig in to the workforce education piece and what yeah. could we really do to come alongside of people to help them gain the skills that they would need yeah. um, in order to, to build a more successful life for themselves and their family. And so I started doing projects with Austin Community College. I was still working with Manpower and I started doing projects with Austin Community College. And we, we started trying to figure out how do we really support the contingent or contract or staff, you know, yeah. temporary staff workers out in industry and particularly in the manufacturing industry, because manufacturing, of course, is, is very prevalent here in Central Texas with at the time Motorola, mm-hmm. but now it's, it's Freescale or NXP is what it's called now. It's been bought out a couple of times and Samsung and these, these other facilities that are here. And so I had a chance to start working with Austin Community College on projects. And um, along the way, I ended up uh, going into uh, business for myself with a, a friend from, from Texas A&M. And we had a consulting practice for about five years. So we were doing management consulting and I was still consulting with, I actually was consulting with Manpower and other organizations and really sort of building this interest in, in, in how we can come alongside of and mm-hmm. support people. And so ultimately about 12 years ago, um, there was an opportunity for me to come on board directly with Austin Community College. And I did. And every single day for the last 12 years has been an absolute blessing to mm-hmm. be able to, to do this work, to come alongside of people and identify ways to help them gain skills, even if it's through a, a little short four-hour class or 16-hour class, gain the skills that they need to help them meet their goals. Mm-hmm. And it's been an amazing journey over the last 12 years. So I started off as a little kid wanting to help. I thought, I'm going to be a doctor. And I, and I thought, well, that, it's really not the right choice for me. I want to do public policy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just fell into, because of a little relationship that I had with the journalism instructor in high school, my senior year, mm-hmm. who now, by the way, worked for my dad. <laughs> at the Wyndham School District, right? Dad has been, spent his entire adult career Mm -hmm. in correctional education, Mm -hmm. adult basic and vocational education. Now, of course, you know, I I tried not to do that. Sure. (laughs) Right? And yet. (laughs) And yet. And my mom, she taught in the women's prison in Huntsville in the 70s and then went back into the high school as a vocational office education teacher in right. high school and retired out of the high school doing vo- vocational training. Right. My dad, adult basic and vocational training in the prisons. Yeah. And all of a sudden he had hired the journalism instructor as the chief information officer, public information officer for Wyndham. And I randomly ran into her at a, an event <laughs> and she connects me to her brother-in-law in Austin and so I, I blame all I blame yeah. all of them for no, this. It's, it's funny. I guess the Tracy family can't really get away from from vocational ed and and creating pathways for folks who are underserved. And you know we can't for for fifty years now. I, this may this may be a new term for some people, or some people think, oh, this is this is an emerging thing that we're doing called competency based education. <laughs> for fifty years, my dad has been telling me about competency based <laughs> education in the prison and how it works. I mean, yeah. 
well, talking about micro credentials as though there's something brand new yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting, and and yeah. I, I want to bring us to to prison education for a moment, actually, sure. which I you know sure uh, because there was a session that uh, your colleague gave today. Um, and we're going to be talking a fair, we're going to be referencing some stuff that happened at the, you know, NSET conference, sure. because for, for those of you who are listening, because we're at the NSET conference and it seems like a natural thing to talk about. One would think. Uh, yeah, one would think. <laughs> so the session, it was phenomenal. Yeah, um, thank you. And, you know, it was, it was an opportunity to learn a little bit about the work that Austin College is doing at at a, at a local women's prison. I believe you, you mentioned you had a, a, a similar program at a, at a local men's prison as well um, to, to help get folks the, the skills and the credentials they need to, mm -hmm. to rehabilitate, to, to come back into the labor market, to be successful in their re-entry. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm curious because re-entry is it's such an interesting concept. Mm -hmm. When we talk about re-entry, we're really talking about a, a large role that as a community we play in supporting someone's rehabilitation, that we play in supporting someone's ability to come back in, into a society as, as an active and productive member. Mm -hmm. um, so when you think about the, the role of the college, I mean, can you talk through the, the I guess, the, the strategy to some extent behind the, the rehabilitation programming that you're doing, uh, the reentry programming that you're doing, the mentorship and the services that surround it, and the connectivity between all that and the mission of the college itself? So uh, we are the community's college. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm de deliberately putting it that way. Um, I feel like we have an opportunity and an obligation to come alongside of particularly those that are on the outside looking in yeah. and identify ways for us to meet them where they are and help them achieve their goals, right? How do we do that? Mm -hmm. and, and so with the correctional education piece, um, one of the, the most significant challenges that individuals we in, encounter in our incarcerated population is, is a, a challenge of low self-esteem, low self sense of self-worth. And uh, by engaging them where they are and helping them to achieve success, even if it's just a little bit of success, you create momentum toward the future, a better future for themselves. You don't, you don't have to um, try to provide somebody with a four-year degree. Their trajectory can be changed just slightly. And when they are released, they suddenly are in a much better position to provide for themselves and for their family. And so uh, our goals were threefold when we started our correctional ed program. We wanted to we wanted to identify educational programs that um, not only would help them build success, mm -hmm. sense of self-worth and self-reliance, confidence, agency, and self-efficacy for those of us in the adult ed world. <laughs> um, we also wanted to identify educational opportunities that would provide them with marketable skills, something that, that would be uh, valuable to them day one when they walked out the door. Degrees are important, but technical skill that's marketable day one when you walk out the door is even more important in the short run. And there is no long term if you don't take care of right now. Yeah. That's hugely important. And so for us, it was, it was twofold. Create confidence, build marketable skills day one mm -hmm. when you walk out the door. Second piece, um, 
was to 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 build a sense of self-respect, empowerment. We wanted them to be not just confident in their abilities to build, you know, to, to learn new skills, but confident in their ability to manage their life, to be able to navigate the world when they got out. Mm-hmm. Because clearly something went off the rails if they were they got in trouble right. and they, they were incarcerated. Something, something happened. And so we, we wanted them to be able to build a, a stronger network and a more supportive network around them. We, none of us navigates through life alone. Mm-hmm. We all have connections and relationships, whether they're family or friends or colleagues or mentors of various sorts who, who help us to navigate the, the, ups and downs in life. We wanted them to be empowered to do that for themselves. Goal number two. Goal number three, um, <clears throat> we wanted to ensure that they had um, connections to employment opportunity uh, when they walked out the door. Again, y- you don't wait 30 days to eat after you walk out the door. You have to be able to begin taking care of yourself the day you walk out the door of a prison. So when you, when you release, so we wanted to find a way to connect them to employment opportunities so that uh, they would be able to very quickly stand up, pay for their own groceries, rent a space, an apartment if they needed to, yeah. and all of these things. So those were our threefold goals when we started were to, to educate, to empower and to employ uh, those individuals. We learned a whole lot as we started our programs, but that's what we started off with. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because there's there's a connective thread there between that particular program in terms of you know helping folks re-enter into society and, and frankly the the broader goal of, of a continuing ed unit or of a workforce development unit, which is how can we make sure that we're providing the network and the support and the skills that anyone needs. Mm-hmm. The, as the community's college, that's exactly to right. access the the programs and to access the 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 opportunities to build the skills that mm-hmm. they need, uh, and to leverage the networks that they've developed to to grow and and you know I'm going to come back to a theme from one of the other presentations from Austin Community College that we heard today, sure. uh, which was by by President Rhodes. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things he mentioned was was the importance of stackability and, and creating stackable pathways right. um, that you know allow someone to start in a non credit and continuing ed and a workforce development mm-hmm. program, build technical skills, mm-hmm. earn an industry credential, and then come back into the college. Mm-hmm. So. As you start expanding the scope of what the college does, or as we start becoming more aware of the potential for the college to play a bigger role than it, than may, maybe it historically has, how does the role of continuing education start to change to facilitate that that new space, to facilitate the delivery of that expanded mission? So I think one of the, the most promising areas for us, not only at Austin Community College, but also at in colleges all across the country to explore is how to build, um, I call them braided pathways, Mm. pathways that integrate non-credit work-based learning and credit-based learning experiences into coherent paths that lead to not only credential, but the type of work opportunity that people are interested in. So 
you hear a lot about pathways and on and off ramps and all of these other things, but you really have to think about this braided pathway mm -hmm. that includes those different types of learning experiences. And for us, the, 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 the great opportunity and the great promise is in identifying how to knit those those, those different learning experiences together through competency-based education, through apprenticeship, internship, other work-based learning opportunities, through non-credit uh, certificate and certification programs, and on into degree programs. Mm -hmm. How to knit all of those experiences together into a coherent, integrated pathway that leads to where the students want to go. Right. It's not about our goals. It's about the students' goals. And so how do, how do we do that and present that to them in such a way that um, they're able to uh, achieve what they want to achieve, mm -hmm. right? And so for, for CE, we're, of course, the vanguard yep. on that. We're, we're the most flexible part of the college. You know, we, we can go and stand up a program tonight. Yeah. On, our, on the credit side, it, it, it's, a, it, it's, it's a little bit more... Um, uh, formal process for doing that. And so uh, we get to be the laboratory for trying new things right. and, and doing things in a little bit different way and see what works. Mm -hmm. And as those things work, and I'm going to give you a specific example of this, as those things prove out, um, then we can, we can integrate them back into our credit programs. Corporate education. Good example of corporate education doing exactly that. About uh, eight years ago, we came alongside of a little company called Samsung. <laughs> okay. This little backwoods company. Little backwoods. You might have heard of them. Little backwoods company. <laughs> well, and, um, you know, Dr. Rhodes this morning, he talked about the importance of connection and collaboration and relationship. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and, and he highlighted Samsung. But, but here's a little bit more of that story. In 2014-ish, uh, um, they wanted us to develop a little uh, short onboarding program for technicians that they were bringing in. So we did that. Mm -hmm. And it was really just kind of an orientation thing. And then it was, a, it was about, for us, it was about building that relationship with Samsung and then growing that relationship uh, from there. And so we did that. And then, and then we said, well, is there something that we can do a little bit more? Um, how can we, how can we take your existing workforce and we weren't using these terms, but upskill, right? At that, at that point when nobody talked about upskill and reskill in the same way we do today, but how can we, how can we um, prepare those, those frontline workers and even those technicians for the new technologies that are in processes that are being integrated into the factory. And so we ended up um, securing a, a, what's here in Texas, we call it a skills development fund grant through the Texas Workforce Commission, which is a state workforce agency here in Texas. We ended up securing a, a skills development fund, very large, and uh, ended up training ultimately about, a, well, ultimately over the, last, the first few years, several thousand employees. But we, we, we use that as an opportunity to build new curriculum that could bridge these micro gaps that were emerging as technology and process was changing in the factory. Mm -hmm. And that was so successful that we started working with other semiconductor related companies here in the area doing that in uh, training operators and preparing them to, to move up and training technicians to be able to better troubleshoot and repair the equipment uh, there in the factories. Well, 
that has now been pulled into the credit side uh, of the college. And we've created a degree program in advanced manufacturing based upon the eight hour and 16 hour and 32 hour blocks of training that we were doing at Samsung starting eight years ago. Okay. And so we are a laboratory Mm -hmm. for developing new things and those things uh, can and should deliberately be integrated into our industry certification programs, into our degree programs. And that's how that transition happens. we don't just work in a silo out here, mm-hmm. you know, as things prove out in this laboratory, we integrate them into the regular flow of things at the college. As a matter of fact, we're getting ready to launch a four-year degree program in manufacturing at ACC. And it all started right. with, with a little small corporate education project yeah. with Samsung. That's really interesting. It's always fascinating to me how single contracts, how a single interaction can really Spiral. The theme, you know, something we almost keep coming back to through this whole conversation, whether it's, you know, the the desire that you had as as a kid to be helpful, mm-hmm. uh, the relationship that you had with the teacher, um, the the impact that you can have on on a community. That these things all spiral, and it's, it's this concept of you know, it all counts. It all counts. You know, that's it's one of our the the, the CEO at Modern Campus, Brian Kibbe. It's something that he repeats on a regular basis. It all counts. And uh, it's, it's fascinating as, as you start to actually sit down and think about it and like, you know, how that applies to continuing it is almost obvious and, you know, PLA, it's, you know, learning can happen anywhere, but mm-hmm. it really does every aspect of what you do. It really counts. It really counts. And um, as you saw this morning mm-hmm. uh, with our, our discussion about our correctional education programs and hearing from Misty uh, about her experiences and things, you can see that it literally, it literally changes lives in front of you. Yeah. This work that we do, it's, it's so critical. And, and, and um, you know, I think, I think the message that, that Dr. Rhodes brought this morning in his presentation um, should be encouraging and affirming to those of us that are in the continuing education divisions around the country. We are mission critical to the community college uh, system across the country. And um, the things that we do are, critically important mm-hmm. um, in supporting the communities we serve, critically important in supporting the businesses that we serve, critically important in, sur- in supporting each individual student that walks in our door. Absolutely. Well, Don, we might as well go find a bar. Thank you so much for taking the time <laughs> out uh, to chat. This has been a lot of fun. You're welcome. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Modern Campus in partnership with The Evolution. Modern Campus empowers higher ed institutions to thrive when radical change is required to deal with lower student enrollments and revenue, rising costs, crushing student debt, and even school closures. Powered by the industry's only student-first modern learner engagement platform, Modern Campus supports every corner of the modern institution, from continuing and workforce education to student affairs to the registrar's office to marketing and IT. To find out more on how you can transform your institution to meet the needs of the modern learner, visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com. 